Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, this is Liz Clark. I'm Senior Director of Federal Affairs at Nakubo. And joining me today are Lauren Inouye and Hiro Okahana from the Council of Graduate Schools. They're here to talk about a recent report from CGS, and uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about international graduate student enrollment and application to graduate schools in the United States. Uh, But first, uh, let's have Lauren and Hiro introduce themselves. Lauren? Thanks, Liz, and thanks for having us. Uh, I'm Lauren Inouye. I'm the Vice President of Public Policy and Government Affairs for the Council of Graduate Schools, or CGS. And thank you, Liz, and thank you for having us. Um, my name is Hirona Okahana. I'm Associate Vice President for Research and Policy Analysis at the Council of Graduate Schools. Let's just first start with a basic question. What is the Council of Graduate Schools? Well, here and I can kind of tag team some of these questions as we go through, but CGS, we're a nonpartisan organization, and we represent near close to 500 institutions across the United States, Canada, and abroad. And while the primary member is the academic institution, we are in the service of um, promoting graduate education and research. So we work directly with graduate schools and particularly the graduate deans. So we have quite a few master's and doctoral programs and collectively HERO, I believe, representing about 1.8 million graduate students. Yep. I know this is one study that the Council of Graduate Schools does. Do you do more uh, other studies at the at the, at CGS? Yes. So the International Graduate Admissions Survey, which we'll be talking about today, is one of our uh, two major enrollment survey projects that we have. Uh, we also have a CGS GRE Survey of Graduate Enrollment Degrees. This is another annual survey we administer to our member institutions as well as uh, members of regional affiliated organizations. And we keep track of a number of applications, first-time enrollment, total enrollment, and the degrees conferred for master's and doctoral programs at U.S. institutions. And aside from these types of the member survey projects that we engage in other research and the best practices of projects, right now we have a large project funded by National Science Foundation and the Andrew Mellon Foundation on understanding PhD career pathways for program improvement project. Great. So there's a lot going on mm-hmm. at CGS. Yeah. Uh, well, let's dive into the study we're here to talk about today. Uh, tell me more about the study. How long has CGS been conducting the study? Um, why do you do it? And who's interested in the findings? So the Council of Graduate Schools started this survey in 2004. So at the time, they look at the changes in international graduate enrollment between fall 2003 and the fall 2004. And since then, we've been doing this survey on an annual basis. Um, and in fact, that your senior director of research, Ken Red, 
back when he was working for the Council of Graduate School, was uh, the principal author of this report as well. The reason we started, uh, at the beginning, this was a response to sort of the post-9-11 landscape on international graduate enrollment. The graduate dean community and others uh, had interest in how some of the changes made in the visa process and the other uh, factors might have influenced the flow of international graduate students coming to the United States in the post-9-11 era. So that's when we started uh, asking our member institutions and uh, institutions who are part of our regional affiliates to give us uh, their uh, um, international application information, uh, number of offers of admission given to the prospective students, first-time enrollment and total enrollment. And uh, of course, that you know, over the year, I think you know, that we are as very far out from the uh, 9-11 and other changes, but it continued to be uh, of interest for the graduate education community. Uh, right now, a little bit under 20% of graduate enrollment, at least in our uh, membership, are international graduate students. So in that sense, the, uh, they're, they're not a small uh, portion of a graduate student body. And seeing the type of trends, where they're coming from, what type of fields of study they're pursuing. And more recently, we started asking the questions on the degree level, um, uh, which degree level they are uh, applying and pursuing the uh, education. So, you know, continue to be of uh, interest. And who's reading this? You know, of course, uh, we pro provide these uh, information for our member institutions benefits to, um, to have uh, some data points to benchmark uh, where they are with their international graduate enrollment. But there are, uh, I think, the policy audiences that mm -hmm. who, uh, Lauren interacts more with. Absolutely. So it sounds like uh, there is some benchmarking to this, but really it's also a helpful way for uh, uh, readers to understand how socio-political socio events and ensuing policies might be influencing how foreign students choose to pursue their graduate education. Yeah, well, in our report, we don't ask, you know, reason side of it, so like why the changes are happening. But I think, so our survey is a very, uh, we offer the unique data points. This is the uh, uh, only national survey that captures uh, all fields of graduate education and the number of applications and the first time enrollment in the continuous basis. So we, our survey alone is not going to provide, you know, the precisely why changes are happening, but at least the, uh, you know, our data points are, very unique, provide a unique snapshot to those people who are interested in what the implication of some of the policy, uh, public policy discussion might be to see uh, which direction international graduate enrollment might be shifting. Okay. So uh, tell us about the most recent study. What was the biggest takeaway from this year's study? So the biggest takeaway from this year was that you know we saw the continued decline. Uh, we saw a decline in first-time international graduate enrollment uh, between fall 2016 and fall 2017. And this year's report, which came out earlier in February, we saw decline again between fall 2017 and fall 2018. So that was sort of the, the top line inf inf uh, um, findings. And um, you know, while the seeing it, the two consecutive cycles don't necessarily make this as a trend, 
but you know obviously it, this is something that uh the, the international graduate enrollment trend is something the graduate education community and the other observer are um uh, looking at with uh, quite interest, so and it makes it somewhat a significant finding for us. Duro, what was the actual decline in uh, applicants? So we saw overall the number of applications at, at the institutions who were participated in our survey drop by four uh, percent, and the first time enrollment dropped by one uh, percent. Uh, so that was sort of overall, but this is inclusive of different degree types. So the master's degrees application and a doctoral application, and also covers the different fields of study as well as different types of institutions and the location of institution. But in aggregate, what we saw was 4% decrease in uh, application and the 1% decrease in the uh, first time graduate enrollment. Uh, did you disaggregate that at all? Are you seeing uh, even declines across all kinds of programs or are there different trends in different areas or types of study? Uh, so there are some patterns that we saw. Uh, we sliced the data a little bit. Uh, what we saw was the decline is uh, decline decline was more pronounced at the master's level. And also the, some of the decline was pronounced at institutions other than uh, uh, doctoral universities were the highest research activity or the R1 or D1 institutions. That, um, so that was a little bit of difference. And because we saw a large decline in uh, master's side, more, in a, more, more pronounced the decline in the master's degrees in terms of fields of study, we saw more uh, a larger decline in fields like engineering and a master uh, business, uh, the fields of study that uh, typically uh, the, we tend to see more master's students pursuing. Are you seeing differences in terms of countries of origin? Um, there are some differences by countries of origin as well. Uh, we saw some larger decline and the continuous decline of uh, Indian graduate students. Uh, we also saw a decline in uh, students from Middle East and North Africa. That includes Iran and Saudi Arabia. Uh, we saw some decline in the students uh, coming from uh, Mexico and Brazil as well. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but some of the largest uh, uh, countries of origin in terms of enrollment of graduate students are from China and India. So if there are large declines, for example, in India, then that uh, that can significantly shape enrollment numbers. Is that right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, the China is in our data. China is the largest, uh, largest uh, country of origin for international graduate students, uh, followed by India. And uh, uh, yeah, it's the decline in those two countries in terms of percent differences uh, uh, could make a larger, l larger decline in terms of like a real headcount. So uh, it's one thing to look at the national data, uh, but I guess when I think about graduate programs, often they're very small. So if uh, an applicant pool goes down by just a handful of headcounts, that could have real implications for some smaller areas of studies. Is that correct? And yeah, in some particular smaller doctoral programs, that yeah, it could have shifted. But in, in the data, as I say, like in a master's degree seems to be the larger, uh, the sort of more pronounced the decline uh, in this data point. Uh, I'm going to go back to some of the socio 
political issues that uh, we raised earlier. There are currently raging debates over immigration policy in Washington. We hear often about southern border concerns, and sometimes the news covers immigration challenges in the private sector, uh, recruitment of high-tech workers, for example, or the need for temporary workers in agriculture or for other seasonal work. But uh, I'm wondering, is immigration policy or debates about immigration policy impacting graduate education? I, th I think so. And, you know, I want to just reiterate what Hero said, you know, the survey data can tell us a lot. It doesn't necessarily get at the whys behind some of the data points that we're seeing. But of course, you know, these are real human issues and human interest issues. And I think anytime you're talking about placing somebody's um, ability to come and study and furthermore stay in the United States, that's going to have impacts not just for that individual, but also for their families. Um, you know, a lot of our graduate students, they have families, dependent children, and so the ability to support them while they're here is, is a big concern. Um, you know, one thing I think in particular that I've been reading up a lot about is the uh, concern of employers with sponsoring H-1B visas. So the ability for employers to be able to um, find and recruit and retain highly talented individuals that came to the U.S., pursued a master's or a doctoral degree, um, is, is something that's of concern to the business community as well, I would imagine. And so not wanting to engage in taking a risk, quote unquote, um, by sponsoring those H-1B visas because of some of the political rhetoric that we might be hearing or some of the concerns around these larger issues that impact not just graduate education, but, you know, the economy or national security are having that trickle down effect. Uh, what about the impact of some other policies? We hear about a quote unquote trade war, uh, tariff mm -hmm. policies and other political rhetoric, frankly, about uh, immigration. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think this is having an impact on foreign interest and in graduate study in the United States? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of turn this one to Hero as well. But I know um, based on some other data from our colleagues over at uh, IIE in particular, we're seeing that other countries are really ramping up their recruitment efforts. And I think that that um, coupled with some of the concerns we're seeing about policies from the administration are kind of merging together and creating a less than potentially welcome environment here in the U.S. So the ability for schools to become really uh, or maintain as, as strong competitors for that um, upper crust of talent at the global level, I think is directly impacted by some of those policies. So it's not just about what's happening here in the U.S. We have to think about what else is occurring abroad that might give an advantage to some of our, you know, competitors. Hero, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I think that's the really the international graduate enrollment. The various factors influences. It's never really a single uh, factor that you know drive the trends in one direction or the other. And I think what's complicated it's not just the U.S. policy context, but also mm -hmm. um, their home country's economy, home country's workforce needs, mm -hmm. and the post secondary and the advanced education availability, and other regional competitors. And as uh, Lauren said, uh, you know, other uh, other English-speaking countries or countries that offer English-speaking uh, the English language uh, instruction in the graduate programs, uh, they are they they seem to be trying to get more students in, and the U.S. becoming somewhat questionable in terms of the welcomeness, at least in the perceived uh, policy rhetoric and the climate um, that. 
is uh, that is not necessarily doing um, you know those are, those of us uh, trying to maintain the U.S.'s stat the stat stature as the gold standard for graduate education. I think that's really important to think about. It's it's very easy for us here mm -hmm. to immediately think about uh, U.S. politics and uh, debate, but the global economy and global stability and other developments across the globe will impact a student's decision as to whether or not they want to study here. Uh, I know that at schools, they're interested in maintaining robust enrollment in various programs. Uh, at both the undergraduate and graduate level, but they're also interested in attracting top talent and particularly at the graduate level for research study and graduate study. Uh, can you tell me some of the things the Council on Graduate School is doing to address uh, some challenges in attracting uh, the best and the brightest to graduate programs? Sure. So from an organizational standpoint, I think we've been very engaged with our other higher education colleagues um, in this issue. You know, recently we've been invited to a White House roundtable with senior policy advisors to discuss uh, issues pertaining to the international student community visas and the um, employment sector. Uh, we've submitted comments to multiple uh regulations that the agencies have put out related to increasing visa fee processing, for example, which would impact both students and institutions that host them. Um, you know, I think from a membership level, we, we've we been trying to uh, get a better sense from our members exactly how is this impacting students or prospective students. And much of, obviously, of what we've been gathering has been anecdotal. Um, so, you know, we've held a couple of discussions at some of our annual meetings to address what type of resources are graduate schools putting out for their students? Um, how do you message and ensure that that you can um, promote that environment where it's going to be attractive for students to come? Uh, we've also uh, collected stories and testimonials from international students. CGS uh, runs this initiative called Grad Impact. So our colleagues in our communications department will solicit um, testimonials from students about who they are, where are they studying, what are they studying, and what are they planning to do with their graduate education. And, you know, international students, they're entrepreneurial, they're innovative, they're um, really driven, and they're a major asset to the graduate education enterprise. So um, I can't emphasize enough how important it is that we have the data, you know, that Hero and his team collects, and then it's up to the government affairs and advocacy team to figure out how we can promote um, that data with the stories and with the personal testimonials. Well, some of the thing you know that we do, as Lauren said, like in our annual meetings and the summer workshops, that we have sessions around supporting international graduate students and uh, try to have a conversation and showcasing some of the uh, promising practices around uh, international student recruitment effort and the beyond the recruitment effort, really how what sort of support services like uh, graduate schools should be thinking about it. I think it's really important to. Well, A, it's important for the uh, graduate schools and the, uh, the institutions as a whole to have a good recruitment strategy, but also uh, ensuring that there are a welcoming environment and an environment where the international graduate students can be successful. So some of the institutions uh, who, are, who are doing particularly well is uh, you know, putting an emphasis on the career development for uh, international students to see that they're not just they're coming to get a degree, but 
they can be employed, whether in the United States or going back home. And I think facilitating those welcoming environment and sending a message, it could go long ways. So some of the institutions who have less affected by overall this decline are the institutions who have very strong and robust relationship with um, the uh, some of the countries of origin, the feeder countries and the feeder institutions for international graduate students. So I think they're being strategic about that. And at least that's the kind of conversation we uh, continue to be having with our members. Terrific. Um, Hiro, thank you for your work on this study. And to Lauren and Hiro and all of CGS, uh, thank you for what you're doing to help attract top talent from across the globe to our graduate programs and for what you do overall when it comes to advocacy for graduate education and higher education uh, to make sure we continue to support research and innovation and our nation's economy with the great work of our higher education institutions. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.